Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. This is a another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Kroger, the creator of the Comedy Bureau. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family, uh, where their tagline is can you believe it um also i will note every episode now that the name of the podcast is the comedy bureau field report and it's not believe in the comedy bureau field report as will show up on anywhere you find podcasts it's just mm-hmm. the name of the network i also know how to spell believe do not have uh lack of faith in my spelling skills um today we have a uh, great hysterical guest um, who I sincerely hope you've listened to all his albums, uh, both musical and stand-up, and seen him do specials and late night and listen on uh, a bunch of podcasts. And, you know, if you're watching comedy right now in this time of pandemic, seeing the uh, plethora of online stuff that he has done, as well as uh, get into his new album that's coming out, AKA from Blonde Medicine, uh, Mike Kaplan, everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, hey, wow. This is uh, unexpected. I'm <laughs> very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me and for uh, engaging with as, as much of my output as you have. It's, uh, it's very heartening. You're very welcome. Um, I'm all for trying to maintain as much normalcy as I possibly can. Uh, which involves clapping for uh, after intros and sure also um, watching as much comedy as I can, um, which is now I actually can technically do more because I can have an Instagram stream on my phone and like multiple live streams open on different tabs. Ha! And I can people often think I'm at more than one show and now that can be true i like it yeah thanks mike um how are you doing where where are you hunkered down uh how are things uh i am in brooklyn in my home where i live with my girlfriend and uh have been here you know straight on since march 14th uh going out to the co-op for food or uh, the drugstore for medicine mm-hmm. or the park for a walk very nearby and, right. you know, distanced from others. Right. Uh, I've been in touch with, uh, you know, many loved ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Good friend Zach Sherwin is someone who I talk to on most days. My mom oh, awesome. is someone I talk to on most days. Yeah. Right. And then different friends. And I, I have set up, you know, certain like, almost like play dates i guess is what i was gonna say you know like zoom uh-huh. uh skype facetime whatever whatever means we're like oh like how how shall we be friends and then like mm-hmm. as you mentioned there's also so many comedy streams and podcasts and i'm you know with the the new album coming out i've been probably doing more than i would be doing uh, otherwise but also who knows i've never I guess I was going to say, I've never put out an album when it wasn't a pandemic before, but that's not true. I've done a few other albums uh, during non-pandemic times. And right. uh, it does feel like I'm filling, filling the time a lot that I have with, with activity, which feels, it feels useful. It feels valuable. I also know it's, it feels valuable and practical to not be doing things all of the time to like... Sure. This day, I'm doing this podcast. I was recording an episode of my own podcast right before that. And before (laughs) that, I was recording another person's podcast. And right Uh before that, another, a radio show. And so there, and then after this, yeah, I've, some days I have had like five things in a row. And then other days I'm happy to have uh, not as much to actively do that is like work. Um, And, and that feels good. Like even... Just a few days ago, I had I took a day where my I was filling up my my recorder my digi- my digital recording device with mm-hmm. ideas that if right. it gets full, then I put them all into my notebook, and then I put all the notebook when it's full into my computer, and that's right. also like part of my right. work. But it was nice to have that time, uh, 
where I did I didn't have to do anything, but I was right. like, oh, this is it's something that I want to do. I get to do. Right. I'm not, nobody's in charge of me except for myself. Right. And so it was a relaxing Sabbath. Uh, I think it happened on Saturday. So. Nice. I that's um, you know I think a couple of things I want to say about that. It seems like you got um, you're like pretty at I won't maybe at ease is the wrong phrase, but like given how the <laughs> the toll that New York has taken and the surrounding area. It, I mean, I don't think you would be at fault at all for like completely being freaked out. Um, so, I mean, uh, like are, I mean, have things sort of calmed down? I mean, you know, are people like, well, maybe are they just getting used to it or? I think, I, I can't speak for really anyone else except for myself. Maybe my girlfriend, she authorizes me to speak for her at <laughs> times, but uh, for myself and for us, like we are certainly in ways acclimating. Like it's not like, here's an example uh, uh, as an analogy of a way this happens. I think humans are adaptable in ways and because sometimes we have to be. Uh, like the reality is what it is. Like there is no travel right now, or there is travel, but only at extreme, you know, uh, right. expense or risk or what, whatever. Right. You want to think about it. Uh, but so, like all of the gigs that I had for this month, next month, mm -hmm. last right. month, uh, have been postponed. Right. Um, and so if I were to be like, you know, I, that wasn't my favorite thing, but also I'm like, well, it's something that's happening to everybody. It's something that's, it's not just, it's like, why me? You know, like right. why? Right. And I'm also, I'm very fortunate in that I, I have a home. I have uh, a way to do some of my job. You know, right. I'm glad I have right. the album coming out that was recorded back when live audiences were a thing. But uh the, the analogy is uh, March 18th this year, my grandmother died and Sorry. that I appreciate it. Uh, it. It was and is sad. It's also, she was 91 and right. it wasn't a surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't, as far as we know, COVID related. Mm -hmm. uh, she just had been for a few months uh, physically and mentally deteriorating. It was, she sure. lived a long life that uh you know my mother and i we we loved her we we talked to her we had a relationship with her we were there for her and now now she is not in life anymore mm -hmm. uh in the way that she was she is still you know present in stories and thoughts and ideas and uh and hearts and spirit uh but we have i have had to adapt to that that is something like oh i I can't, I can, I can call my grandmother's number, but she won't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Like that is a reality that is saddening. And also, you know, the, her, just her memory and thoughts about her and stories about her bring me joy. And the, the point is that I've, I've had to, I, I have had to, and I've gotten to adapt and adjust and acclimate to this is the world. And I understand, I mean, di grief takes different forms and operates at you know, in different qualities and quantities for different people. Like right. sometimes it's harder than other times. My mom recently told me, I think earlier today, she was like, this has been the hardest day since the initial difficulty. And, uh, and so, but it is something that it is in ways adaptable. It never gets solved or resolved. Like she doesn't come back right. uh, in, in this life. And so similarly, like, the whatever future I expected before mm -hmm. before all this happened, like, right. like the touring, the album release, the you know traveling, the going to the Edinburgh Fringe Fest, going to L.A. to do a release show, going to San Francisco, going to Portland and Seattle and Boston and all these different places that I w was excited to go. That I'm optimistic I will get to go again, like yeah. next year to Edinburgh, hopefully to mm -hmm. everywhere else when when travel. Uh, is more safe and healthy and encouraged and comfortable for everyone. Right. But right now, like it, it wouldn't serve if I would, I understand if you, if it makes it, whatever you're feeling is value, valuable and valid and important to address. And I, I'm grateful that I have been able to adapt to right. these absences, these losses and, right. you know, focus on as much as I can, what right. is present uh, which, you know, here 
with my mother who is alive, with my girlfriend who I live with and I love and I'm grateful for, with comedy, comedian friends, with the shows and podcasts and streams uh, like this one that, I, that exist and I'm grateful to get to commune with friends on. So whenever someone says, how are you? It's a very long, complicated answer, right. uh, including the gratitude for being asked the question and being in a communion of sorts with a friend or loved one who is asking the question. Yeah. I sincerely, thank you for all that. I sincerely okay. hope that going forward, people take that question with a lot more gravity rather than what has been joked about for probably decades where it's like, you, you would honestly get punished if you would give an earnest answer to, so how you doing? You know, uh, there's a, a joke by Paul Reiser, one of my favorites. Uh, he was the first comedy special I ever remember seeing when I was like a young teenager. And one of the bits I believe from it, uh, he says, there's a difference between how are you and how are you? He's like, and, it, and there's like callbacks and things and I'm paraphrasing and maybe uh, butchering it a little bit, but he's basically like, how are you means I, you is who I'm concerned with. I want to know how it is to be you, but how are you? He's like, just say fine and move on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, absolutely. But I feel like at least for like a year, whether it's how are you or how are you, like be strap in for a legitimate, probably sad answer. Oh yeah. It's, it definitely, you, it's important. If you're asking the question, it's like they say, if you're a lawyer, they're like, never ask a question in court that you don't already know the answer to. And so now never ask, how are you? If you don't have enough time for a person to share the truth of how they are and how they've been. And when you right. get to the end, like for me, sometimes people say, what are you working on now? I'm like, I guess I spend most of my time answering the question. How are you? You know? So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I'm glad you're doing uh, good, and it seems like um, you know you're you're balancing. You could st struck a perfect balance between like doing a bunch of work and also being free not to do that. It feels like people are in either extreme. Um, are you listening or watching anything in the, in the meantime between all these podcasts and uh, live stream shows? Sure. Uh, my girlfriend and I watch, we, wa we finished uh, the whole series of Six Feet Under at one point. We were watching, oh, wow, you know. That's a big undertaking. Oh, yes. Literally, that's a good, it's what it's about. They're undertakers. <laughs> uh, and we had started that before the, like a few months ago. So it wasn't mm -hmm. just a quarantine project, but it finished during the quarantine, which seemed right. even more poignant because it is about death and life. Sure. As, as so much art is. Um, yeah. Also on that tip, I loved uh, the new show Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Oh, right. Yeah. That is as trippy of a thing as I have seen in a minute. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's Duncan. Duncan Trussell is a fantastic, you know, psychedelic comedy wizard of a kind. And this oh, yeah. show really, you know, gets to visually examine and imagine like the conversations that he has with people. And uh, it's really, you know, if you close your eyes watching it, it's like listening to his podcast. And if you right. open your eyes, it's like looking at Ramin Nazer's Instagram, which I also love, you know? Yes. It's Shout beautiful, out to Ramin Nazer, yeah. Colorful rainbows of philosophy art, you know? It's, uh, it's so that that's a show that I've loved a lot. My girlfriend and I are now watching Ab Fab, absolutely fabulous. She she oh, loved classic, it. I've, classic. I've never British seen comedy. it, so yeah. we're we're making our way through it. And I think I'm I have only yet begun Shit's Creek, and I understand it to be a great show. So that's that's next on the agenda. For great, me. what a what a great rundown. Uh, six feet, and you're covering a lot of different bases too, like Six Feet Under and Ab Fab, which is even older. And uh, I mean, that's definitely a cornerstone of British comedy. And um, Midnight Gospel, which I mean that, you know. Newer than new. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say as cutting edge as you can get, but I don't even know if I wanna describe Midnight Gospel as cutting edge. It's just, I honestly, you gotta let it wash over you. There's so much that's going on. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I plan to watch it all again. And uh, 
I watched we watched I watched the first episode with my girlfriend and then I watched the rest of it right. by myself and then I'm like I'm gonna watch the rest of it with her. It's just Yeah. If there was a series that actually deserved a companion podcast to like understand it, maybe Midnight Gospel. Oh sure. I mean, and I think a lot of the a lot of the I'm like lyrics, a lot of the dialogue is taken from podcasts that Duncan recorded with various guests, right. including the final episode, which is uh, with his mother who passed away in life uh, in 2013, but now lives on in right. the podcast and in this episode, which is the most beautiful one, I think. Right. And so it, I think if you want to, you can probably go back and listen to the full full podcast conversation that they probably drew a lot of the dialogue from. Right. Uh, and you'll have a, your companion podcast as desired. <laughs> yeah. That is true. That is true. Um, those are all great. I have um, been listening and watching as much comedy as possible because that's just what I do. Um, namely, uh, well, I full disclosure, I had already seen this ahead of time. But um, are you guys are you aware of the Dress Up Gang? Uh, I am not super aware of it. Or oh wait, no, maybe I. It's it certainly sounds familiar. Tell me more about it. So the Dress Up Gang was this sort of, uh, you know, to call them a sketch group or, you know, a comedy troupe. I don't know. They, they kind of blurred the lines with that. Um, but they, it's a collection of Corey Lukasik, Frankie Quinones, and Donna Devanian. And they uh, all came down from the Bay Area to LA and they made these short films slash sketches that were like really, really funny. And I, I always like to say that they were like, uh, even le- uh, like more about nothing than Seinfeld. Mm. Um, uh, they just get into the absurdities of minutia in like a new and interesting way. And um, this ain't your daddy's nothing. Yeah. No, no, it is not. Um, and they, so they, through the years, they've gotten to make all these shorts that were really beloved and would make the rounds online. And then they got to make a series on TBS, like they, the, the TBS order, like, entire series they shot, shot it and they edited it and had it ready to air and then they shelved it indefinitely um and the they were, had promos already cut for it and people were curious as to including the people who made it like is this ever going to get shown like are people going to i mean you guys paid for it it's already done why oh, is yeah. it just sitting there yeah and because it just the 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 indefinite label just kept sticking, um, there were multiple attempts to sort of go rogue and like show it to people. One of which I got to go see um, Dynasty Typewriter, a uh, lovely LA venue that you have played. Oh yeah, um, they like they basically just took one night and screened the whole series. And cool. It, yeah, it was really great, and like that was totally against the orders of TBS. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they just did it. And it was, uh, you know, the house was packed in. And that's where I got to see all the show. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait for this to come out. I hope it comes out. And just month after month, it didn't come out. And, um, you know, but right before this pandemic sort of hit its stride here in America, they, because there was no movement, they tried to just like put it, because they had like the, the footage they had all the episodes. They put it online, uh, and within a day, they had to take it down. Oh, sure, I could understand that. Yeah, and then this pandemic happened, and uh, you know, I had reasoned, and I had even wrote about this on the Comedy Bureau. Like, it would be a really great time to just like you know put out a show that maybe you already have done. It's just ready to go. Oh yeah that has maybe a built-in, like, you know, um, there are lots of things that have gotten to catch on because people are just watching whatever when they're at home. And that finally happened this week. Um, oh, congratulations. Where, yeah, I love, I love those guys. I, I know, uh, if not all of them, I know a few, and they are funny. And I do, I do remember this story now, hearing the, the almost success story that I'm glad now is completely a success story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is a wonderful series. Uh, Andy McDowell is in it, um, mm. which is just a neat little icing on the cake. In addition to uh, the cast, uh, which is just like they're all like close friends, the comedian, uh, close friends and uh, comedians that came up together. 
uh, between San Francisco and LA. And again, I, it is more about nothing than Seinfeld. And as uh, Mike said, uh, not your daddy's nothing. Um, two albums that I listened to this week, um, you probably know both of these guys, uh, Dave Hill and Dwayne Kennedy. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, Dave came out with The Pride of Cleveland, uh, which I think is like a perfect showcase of like his um, guitar prowess, I should say. Mm-hmm. And uh, storytelling uh, acumen and just uh, un- unfiltered charm. Um, yeah, I had always dreamed uh, of trying to do stand up while being able to like riff on the guitar throughout, but mm-hmm. I can't even play chords and sing. So that's not on your way. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think, no, Dave definitely pulled it off and it's really, really great. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've, have you worked with Dave, haven't you? Oh yeah. Uh, Dave and I just did each other's podcasts uh, in the, in the coming, cause my album was coming out and his album was coming out and we were right. like, let's, let's do the, the idea I've, I want to come up with a word for what it is to just do one another's podcasts. I just right. had Lizzie Cooperman on my podcast and she suggested, what about pod quest, you know? Uh-huh. And so we completed the pod quest of uh, <laughs> he, right. he did mine. I did his. Uh, yeah. And we've done a bunch of shows together over the years. Like I've known Dave for, so I've right. lived in New York for, 12 years and uh right. for at least most of those right. i've known him and he has been beloved to me and many and just you know he is he is uniquely himself in a way that uh that is yeah. the way an artist is yeah in this uh, i would say probably the closest thing that comedy has to like maybe a true rock on tour yeah a rock on tour a rock on tour rock uh, on tour yeah yeah well not right now but i um, know haha <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, get the pride of Cleveland. That's uh, that came out. Uh, Dwayne Kennedy. Um, oddly, it's his first full length album. It's his debut full length album. Um, but he's been doing comedy for one billion years. Yes, uh, and that is one hundred percent accurate. You can do a carbon dating test. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean. He's certainly, I, I knew him first when I, he was a writer, I believe, on Kamau Bell's Totally Biased. Right. And uh, I was doing warm up there uh, for a little bit. And so I remember just getting to see, you know, all the bits that, like, right. there were so many amazing comedians writing for that show. Mm-hmm. And he was one of them. And I didn't really know who he was before, but I'm glad to have known ever since. Yeah. Dwayne, it, it is, I mean, it is kind of amazing that it's called who the hell is Dwayne Kennedy because he has done comedy for so long and yet as you just said (laughs) you didn't know who he was out of all the amazing comedians that were on Totally Biased and I would urge people to go look that up uh, and find out about Guy Branham and Harid Kundabalu and Eliza Skinner and all the other great people that were on there um it's I imagine you doing warm-up is kind of fascinating as a sidebar what sure. was like what was that like because you i just can't i just i can't picture it you know i i understand why you're saying what you're saying because you might be maybe you've seen different warm-up comics at different shows and right. there might be like you know the same way uh i have performed on cruise ships but i might not fit your right. uh, i didn't mean your, that as a slight mic oh no no i i did i didn't take it as, as one I, but I have for a little while. I do like doing warm up. It's like a weird, different creature of performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I would just come out of the shows that I've done it for. I did it for Kamau's the most. I did it for At Midnight a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, a few times. I did it for John Oliver's once. I did it for like an MTV show once. Right. And uh, of all of them, like without not, there's I, I'm grateful for all of the opportunities that I had, but. My, one of my favorite things was at, at Totally Biased, like I would go out and usually like there would be audiences there that knew Kamau and loved Kamau and that I didn't have to really work that hard at all. And if, but if there were times when the audience wasn't, wasn't as big, wasn't as full of quality, quantity, folk, uh, people who didn't know the show, who needed more warming up, right. like the producers would come to me afterwards and at, whereas some producers might be like, can you make these guys react more? And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm, 
you know, literally doing everything that I possibly can. Uh, but the the producers at at Totally Biased were so nice and got it. They were like, "We're so sorry that the audience is like this this time. Like, we know <laughs> that you're good and saying and doing funny things." And so, what I would do is basically, like, I wouldn't just do you know whatever I wanted, but I I would like take par- parts of my act and be like, "Oh, what." what do I think like is like fits with the feel of the show and you know, the kind of, I I was being myself, but just, you know, a version of myself that I'm like, Hey, uh, this is high, potentially high energy. Hey, like get, get ready for a thing. Like, you know, uh, so yeah, it was, I love doing it. Um, and if there ever are live audiences again, I'd be happy to do it again. I gotta believe that there will be. Um, I believe it. Yes. I, uh, I would enjoy seeing you do warm up versus, I mean, like the whole reason I asked that is like in the multiple times I've like been in a live taping audience, it just seems to be either, you know, the comic really isn't doing their act so much as like, you know, they're, um, they're like doing daycare work. They're just like babysitting the audience or they're just like mercilessly roasting everybody. Um, Sure. Yeah, and uh, thankfully that's not what you're doing. No, it was it. I was mercifully, not mercilessly. I was full yeah. of mercy. Um, I also wanted to add before we leave the topic of albums. I I just want to throw out there. I did listen to in the past two days mm-hmm. three new comedy albums, and you did oh, cool. ask me because uh, because with my album coming out Friday, yeah. Uh, I, I'm doing a, a perform some some as much as I can album release shows. Right. So like Friday night, I'll be doing a headlining set at the Nowhere, Nowhere Comedy Club, yep. uh, which is exciting. Like they curate as close to a live audience feel as they can with people on mic in the audience. Right. Um, but then the night before, I'll be on Thursday night. I'll be doing a uh, a thing that I've done for Eastville Comedy Club in New York. They have a live stream every night that is not a stand up show, but uh, often a conversation. So I'm going to have a conversation with Samantha Ruddy, Dan Perlman, and Jay Jordan, who all put out albums very recently. So I listened to all of their albums right. in the past couple of days to be conversant. And I, I recommend them all. They're all uh, fantastic, funny comedians. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll make sure those are all in the show notes. Uh, Dwayne's, I just want to say is... Oh, yeah. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, I... I would say that Dwayne is really great at like um, shoehorning political comedy in a way that is um, like accessible. He like is, is just like the, he's like this almost silly, like uncle, like that's his like energy in a way. <laughs> and uh, even though what he's, he's saying is very point pointed, um, very satirical, um, like if you read it on paper, maybe it wouldn't come off as so like, hey, this is like fun. Um, it is because uh, he just he had he's like laid back in his delivery. That's really that's really great. I I mean, what better what better satire could there be than if it didn't look at all like comedy mm-hmm. with the words, but is clearly fun and and funny out loud man yeah good work good work Dwayne Ex- good I'm excited to hear it Dwayne uh, so just a, a few news items and I want to talk to you more about what uh what you know what you've been doing in all this time um sure so HGTV uh, announced this week that they're going to, as you know, TV networks are really scrambling to figure out how to make content in this time while maintaining social distance and safety protocols. Um, they're going to have a version of House Hunters where comics video conference in, not unlike we are doing right now, and basically MST3K-ing uh, an episode of House Hunters. Huh. Uh, I like it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was the reaction during the pitch. Um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like any, I like the, uh, the idea of comedians working, uh, right. getting to, yes. I mean, and this seems like a 
a safe, fun way to right. like do a thing that is, you know, it's not inventing a new, mm-hmm. a new thing. It's not, you know, claiming that something that, ah, this is stand, this is, we can't do stand up, but will something, but this is, it's nice. It's a yeah. good idea. Now you're in, ex- in your experience, have you run to people that are avid house hunter watchers? Cause I feel like it's secretly a thing that a lot of people watch. Uh, great question. I, I personally, I, I don't, we don't, I watch most of my TV, you know, via the, the computer screen in front of me right now. Don't have a, a physical television, don't have cable. Right. But, uh, so like, honestly, whenever people say HGTV, it takes me a moment to realize that it's not HDTV. And, <laughs> but now I, I have it. I understand there's a show on, it's the home and garden television, right. I believe. Right. And, uh, uh, I'm not trying to be cutesy about it, but I know my mom watches it, so I'm I'm sure a lot of people in my mom's demographic are are into it. And I, but and also like I'm, you know, there are people my age who have homes and gardens and want to watch stuff, and right. uh, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm not. It's it's not I'm not too good for it, but right. uh, it's just I have not watched it, but I'm sure I know a lot of people who do. Sure, uh, I I'd be curious. I mean. Obviously, they're probably going to get comics that maybe watch it, but I'd be, I mean, I'm sure they would get comics that haven't watched it. Oh, in that case, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they should, they should have both. They should have definitely, yeah, have, either way, if you're, getting, if you're looking for people who've watched it, I definitely have watched it. No problem. I know <laughs> all about it. Yeah. But uh, if you're looking for people who don't have it, absolutely. That's uh, listen to me from three seconds ago. Are you going to cram if you like, hey, if you get reached out to you like, oh, would you be interested in doing this? You'll just like have a house I, marathon. I, I would be happy to do that. I'm, I'm happy to uh, do the work that I'm paid to do. Right. <laughs> Very cool. I, you know, I, it's, it, like you say, it's uh, comedians working. I'm glad that that's it. And I just think it's also a big jump in uh, for HDTV, which I, don't, I feel like doesn't really go about making fun of itself. Um, yeah. Yeah, basic cables networks making fun of themselves. That, I don't know how popular that is, uh, that, that is, but I feel like people are trying a bunch of different things right now. And it's definitely uh, something that uh, irks me in a, like a good way Um, what if what if everyone starts like every they're like they run out of shows and they're like i guess we got to just start making fun of all the shows like and now now comedians you know you've heard of uh you know the the post shows after like walking dead or breaking bad like just now it's just like a comedian mst3k is breaking bad (laughs) yeah there was almost something like that i think on fox where they made up a fake show like the show itself wasn't like like a scripted after show for a faux not real scripted series so like you would tune into the episode and they're like oh wasn't that an amazing episode of insert show and then the series was just following like what happened on the after show and i think fred savage was on it and i don't know that it really went anywhere but They, I think uh, that might happen if they run out of just normal premises or they realize that most multicam sitcom premises are tired and old. Well, now we'll get the multi, multiest of multicams, like every, right. every person with their own. I did watch the, the Parks and Rec reunion. I don't know oh, if that yeah. was on your radar, but uh, it definitely made sense. Mm-hmm. But also I saw them saying like, we can't make sustainable television like this. And that also makes sense. That also makes sense because they had to write in reasons why none of them were in the same room. I mean, if all of the, all the comedy now takes place in this real world, then I guess it, it, it makes sense. But Oh yeah. Other than like, why do the, even those characters who live together theoretically, they only have to, they like Megan Mullally could be in the scenes with, Nick Offerman because they're actually people who live together even though on the show they do not like each other like they'll have to just oh these people get together now actual real life couples playing couples yeah I mean I do I would applaud them Uh, like I really really enjoyed the special but I I definitely applaud them for like really 
hitting the mark with uh, figuring that out, how, yeah, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman being in the same room, even though they hate each other on the show, and then um, uh, Rashida Jones and Rob Lowe not being in oh, the same yeah. room, even and, though they're... And, yeah, Andy being trapped in a shed because he's dumb. It all made sense. It all made sense. And that's what you um, want from your comedy, is that it makes sense. Right. <laughs> yes uh yeah in both ways uh since and oh yeah yeah um and very briefly i just want to mention that uh insecure on hbo got renewed for a fifth season um great yeah it's what i don't know if you've seen it but it's definitely one of my favorite comedies currently on television um and i mean it's in the middle of its fourth season right now um, yeah, I, seen- I have watched the first, I watched the first season. I like it a lot. I plan to watch more and I'm glad that there keeps being more. Right. Uh, I think it is uh, a, a great um, show and perspective of both like, uh, you know, kind of Issa Rae's uh, view on things uh, and her life and taking that in a comedic perspective, also showing LA in a positive light that probably doesn't get shown too much. Um, and then I, I think it's probably comedy's sexiest show. Ha. Uh, you know, I, I haven't done the research, but, uh, offhand, I can't think of any comedy show sexier. Yeah. Maybe you're the worst, but probably not. It's close. Yeah, maybe. But, um, I did yeah. just watch one episode of Ab Fab where it ended with an orgy. So, uh, <laughs> but spoiler, yeah. that doesn't happen too much. Um, the episode was called Sex, so that's the sure. one. If you want, if you want to watch, you can jump right to it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure people, if they're jumping around in Amphab, they would probably get to that. So now I want to add, talk more about you, even though we've kind of like danced in and around and hopped in and out. Oh, sure. Um, you know, in terms of your album, which I really, really did enjoy, uh, and especially in times like this, I think it's important to um, stay, like, the, the silliness that you just emanate is, like, I think crucial. Thank you. Um, how do you think, how, like, are you, how do you feel about your comedy in these, these times? Do you, like, how do you think it might change if it would change at all given like that we're all going through this collective trauma together every day um and uh i mean like are do you feel like you can stay silly how like how do you like maintain your persona uh stay slash stay sane now sure i think that i mean one good thing i it's in quotes hard to say uh, but a, a good aspect of of doing comedy in these times, of doing like a live stream show. Like I was just on uh, Never Not Funny yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think it comes out tomorrow, depending in this weird time delayed, who knows things time. But, uh, and he was asking me about Zoom comedy shows and whether I was doing them and what I thought about them. And, uh, And I thought about, as I was answering, I was like, I do think like, it's certainly different than doing a live comedy show, but, uh, it's in and in some ways in some ways like a joke could be it feels like almost the same as not doing one like if you're in your room alone talking to your phone talking to your computer like right. if you don't some of the shows maybe you hear some audience laughter some of them maybe on instagram you see people sending hearts or commenting but it is certainly not the same as being in a room with people who laugh right when you say something but mm-hmm. it it is still it is more doing something than doing nothing. And I do think that it's something that if an audience, if there are people who want to be an audience and if there's comedians that want to provide comedy, like both for, I think we both in some ways want and need each other such that we're kind of almost pretending, almost putting on a play of a comedy show, almost being like, you're over there and I'm over here. But, and this is, there's a kind of artificiality to it in that it is going through these technologies. Maybe we can't really see or hear each other. We can only hear these ghosts of reflections, but 
but that it, there is the desire that, that, it, that we're like, let's be, we are in this together. So let's create this thing together where you're like, oh, look, I'll, which kind of like comedy itself, even in the real world, even in a space where a, a comedian's like, I'm going to go on stage and you'll be in the audience. And so I'll say things and then you'll laugh involuntarily. It's, it's not, it's not that it's not just somebody saying a funny thing and then getting it. It's like, it is constructed. There is some kind of not pretense, but it's like, it's a show, it's a play, it's a constructed thing. And so we're doing in these times what we can and what we want to. So I do think that the people who are coming to the shows are like signing up for at least some degree of like silliness or delight or like there's a few different ways that like I've thought about comedy is maybe not for just these things, but some like broad categories, some comedy is for escape and some comedy is for engagement. Like, you know, your, your Kamau's and Hari's and Maria Bamford's and Aparna's like might be a combination of both, but right. certainly they're often addressing what is going on in the reality of society, politics, uh, their personal lives, mental right. health, like they're addressing real things. So, you know, imagine somebody might come to one of their shows if they didn't know their comedy. And they're like, oh, wow, like I thought I, I want to get out of this, you know, right. like where maybe there's people who be, you know, like who are working on the front lines of the medical uh, profession all day and they're like I just want to I just want to something silly I just want a, a Brian Regan let's say right. you know not something that I need to that I need to or want to, like to think about and engage in this way and so the point is uh, there's different every comedian is a different flavor and mm -hmm. is you know uniquely themselves doing what they can right. and so I do think there is like for myself, like my goal, I don't know, I don't, I never think about it explicitly as like, I want this much silliness and this much seriousness, but like, you know, like talking about somebody else, like talking about Dwayne Kennedy, you're like, he is talking about serious things in a playful way, in a fun way, in a relaxed way. Like, and so sometimes that's what, that's what makes for great comedy is this disparity, the discrepancy between, uh, various you know realities the the what and the how the presentation right. and the content and so i i find so far i've found myself you know, i mean grateful to be alive in a home with my my beloved girlfriend in these times with you know enough food enough enough everything for right now not knowing anything about the future but i i'm you know privileged to be in this position and so i'm glad to offer you know, what I can and who I am, uh, which also involves some, you know, a lot more addressing of what is happening in the moment. I'm not just like, so what else is in the news from four months ago? What else is in my old notebook? Like I'm more yeah. being present uh, with now and, you know, creating, right. creating more either, if not writing, writing some jokes about this, but also being open to the moment and right. being present with if there are people to interact with, interacting with them and sharing more of my day-to-day -day lived experience in this time where there is this sort of, you know, unfortunately, uh, communal solidarity. Right. But valuable solidarity uh, for an unfortunate reason. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think that who you are now having kind of, shall we say, uh, routinely experiencing ayahuasca has helped in this journey? Uh, good question. Thank you. Uh, I think that everything can help. Uh, and so I can only, again, speak for myself that uh, certainly over the past, I think, six years or so, uh, when I began engaging in ayahuasca ceremonies, and I also four years ago started meditating regularly every day, and I also started doing morning pages uh, a la the artist's way at 750words.com most days and reading different uh, Buddhist authors like Pema Chodron or Thich Nhat Hanh or reading Ram Das, like Be Here Now and his other books right. and doing, having all these different experiences, uh, finding my finding my girlfriend and loving our relationship and learning from her about all the things that she has engaged with and learned about and shares with me like that all of these things i can't point to just one of them and be like this is the thing that has helped me in this time but 
all of these, uh, all of these valuable, these are, they've all been valuable tools mm -hmm. that are, you know, helpful aspects of my life, uh, you know, and in, in terms of finding things to be grateful for and, you know, not just uh, blindly, you know, painting over things that are like, oh, these are challenges, don't think about those, but helping me address, you know, things in the real world while also, right. you know, addressing things in the surreal world. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like one thing that I think is like helping any, anyone through, I mean, and to your point, everything kind of helps and whatever you can do to make yourself feel better, like certainly do that. But, you know, there's a, a great chunk about ayahuasca on uh, AKA uh, Mike's new album. And I, I mean, I think that also speaks to this journey that you've been having over the, uh, the years that I've seen you do comedy where you have gotten more personal and um, like in like talking about yourself and in touch with your view on the world as it relates to you. And I think ayahuasca ha probably has something to do with that. Uh, it definitely, yeah, it, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation or causation that I can point to, but certainly I do remember one ayahuasca ceremony in maybe 2014 or 15 mm -hmm. where I, I had these sorts of, I was thinking about my comedy, about like what I wanted it to be and what it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, not, not even with respect to comedy, but just I was thinking about love and forgiveness and I thought, I just thought about like the phrase, always love, always forgive. And I thought about it for myself and not something that I want to yell at someone else to, hey, hey, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't be unforgiving. Don't be unloving because that itself would be uh, not practicing what I was literally preaching in their face. And, but I remember thinking it was fun. It was fun in the moment to remember always love, always forgive. Oh, if I had that, the initials of that, if it was an acronym, it would be a laugh. Right. And so from, from there, like there were some seeds within various ayahuasca experiences where I was like, oh, what am I doing with my comedy? What am I doing with my career? It, what, not like, what am I doing? But literally, what am I doing and what do I want to be doing? What right. kinds of things do I want to be talking about? And I do think that I, I don't know what would have happened without those experiences because I can't know. But from the beginning of my comedy career, I feel like I was more, in the beginning, I think of it as like asking jokes rather than telling jokes, you know? You're like, is this funny? Is this funny? Is this yeah. funny? And if yeah. the audience says yes to one out of 10 things, you're like, okay, that one. And right. then you build up your repertoire, be like, hey, hey, audiences, now I can tell you other audiences thought these things were funny mm -hmm. and that's how you know i grew my act in the first many years yeah it was taking ideas from anywhere from just like some of them might have been about my life about my relationships about my personal beliefs about veganism about uh open relationships about my desires and thoughts and goals but also some of them and some of them might have been about politics and social justice issues that i cared about like homophobia and racism and sexism and transphobia and uh, some of them might just have been about like absurdism and silly wordplay and this sounds like this and some of them might be about pop culture and movies that i don't like or do like or who cares and in the beginning, I really felt like uh, I didn't have control over what I was talking about. I was like, an idea comes to me, I write it down, I work on it, I say it out loud, I see if it works, I keep doing that. And that's why like my first several albums were just like, oh, here's all the best, funniest things that I've come up with in the past several years. Right. I hope you enjoy them. Like maybe some of them are connected, maybe some of them aren't. Yeah. But it, it was, so it was just, I think probably, uh -huh growing as a comedian and a human that led me to realize, certainly growing as a comedian that led me to realize, oh, I can aim, like I can't decide what ideas come to me, but I can like write for a long time about things that I care about as opposed to trying every joke about every topic regardless of how much I care about it. So I still think all the things that I think and I write down the ones that I want to or I capture them with my digital recorder and then from that point I'm like which ones do I want to build and grow and engage with and right. help blossom into the new hour and so I do think that 
the ayahuasca ceremonies and also mushrooms over the years have helped steer me towards like writing more. I think I think of this as like the first album where fully it's full of jokes that I care. I've always written jokes that I care about. Sure. And this is the first time that I, it's all jokes that I care about, about things that I care about. I mean, sometimes the thing that I care about is just making a fun, silly joke that has no necessarily connection, no necessary connection to reality or an important thing because joy itself can be an important thing and comedy of nonsense and absurdity is valuable i love it this ain't your daddy's nothing you know and uh (laughs) so i'm glad this is my nothing you know my nothing my everything so yeah i do i do appreciate your your assessment and analysis and i i do feel i am grateful that i've been on uh the path that i've been on because there have been so many comedians like you know, Mike Birbiglia, first album full of jokes, not mm-hmm. a connected story. Then everyone since then, uh, a narrative, a one-man show, a one-man show, beautiful, full of jokes and full of like a, a beautiful story that he's telling each time. Yeah. And people would say like, do you want to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I can't do what he does. Only he can do what he does. And then only I can only do what I do. And I'm glad that what I've been doing has has been at like, oh, maybe if I just keep writing about this, then there'll be more about this. So, Absolutely, man. I definitely think you are the only person that you could do what you do because I think your level wordplay is, I think, almost unparalleled. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to even think of anybody else who can uh, pull that off. But I definitely think it's uh, what you laid out there is interesting. Like when you started out comedy, you were surveying the audience and seeing what they like for their approval. And now you've gotten to a point where you're just surveying you. And it's, it's so, I mean, I also, also, you know, you're always, it's weird. Like in these times where there is no audience, like I'm literally just like, well, well, if my best joke in front of no people would get no laughs, uh, then why not tell a brand new idea and have that get just as many no laughs as my best joke would. But right. um, of course, there's all the audience is always an element of it it's like an instrument that you're you're learning to play your own instrument and then the audience is also like another component of the instrument or the backup singers if they're in the band perhaps but uh but yeah i mean now it's like i'm like i'm cooking up a new thing and i'm like who would like to come to my restaurant if you've enjoyed my food before perhaps and i'm also i think a better cook i'm trying working with some new ingredients but i've yeah. tried them on some other audiences and they will they've enjoyed eating the comedy so please come eat my comedy yeah <laughs> yeah you're uh, you're working with uh, spices and seasoning now you're not just you know throwing together like uh, like a breakfast burrito or something Exactly. I mean, or I'm making the best breakfast burrito that I can with these ingredients. You know, if oh, you yeah, yeah. if you yeah. like a breakfast burrito, then come down to Mike Kaplan's comedy breakfast burritos. Yes. Uh, two more questions, and we'll get to the end of the uh, of the pod here. Um, expectations versus reality. What uh, has been your experience releasing an album during a pandemic? And what, like, how many things are you actually doing during this pandemic, comedy wise? Uh, I am, I'm definitely for, so the album was able to be pre-ordered starting on April 17th. So a little bit before that, I started doing a few podcasts like to help start spread the word. And Mm -hmm. then since then it's been ramping up and up. So I've been doing like, uh, if you count, let's say podcasts, my own podcast, other people's podcasts, comedy, like live streams, comedy shows, different, you know, what, whatever the words of things are, engaging with people via technology on Instagram, on Zoom, on Google Hangouts, on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have done... <laughs> uh, who can say? Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I've been doing at least, I don't think there's been any day where I've done zero things. Like wow. there've been maybe one day a week where I'll purposefully strive to have most of the day. Like even just this past Saturday, right. I didn't, I thought I didn't have anything until 8 PM. And then I got my friend Chris Duffy's email that he sends out every Saturday of three things that I recommend. Uh, get on that three things mailing list. It's a delightful email list. But he was like, oh, to, coming up later today, the comedy game show, come on down. You're already here with special guest Mike Kaplan. And I was like, oh boy, I forgot about, forgot about that. Uh, so I had that at 5 p.m. 
and then I had a show at 8 p.m. and then another uh, show where comedians were improvising uh, off of my improvised stand-up at 9 p.m. So I did like three improvised stand-up sets over the is course of an hour. Socially distanced improv or social? That is, yeah, socially distant improv. Uh, so normally every Friday and Saturday night, I'll do, I'll sort of headline or be on their 10 p.m. show, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, either stand-up, improvised stand-up, whatever happens. Then we did a separate special show on Saturday night that was for a live arts fest at Brandeis that was meant to be right. a real real arts festival in, in person. Uh, right. And it was now a real arts festival virtually. Yeah. Um, but so a bunch of other Brandeis performers and then also just friends and improvisers uh, yeah, did, it was really fun to do, you know, right. just, I do a thing and they do a thing and I do a thing and they do a thing. And then at 10, there was the normal socially distant improv show. And then at 11, mm-hmm. there was uh, a friend of mine who has a, a vegan radio show and a progressive podcast, I think is the name of his podcast in Australia that right. uh, had me as a guest on his show at 10 in the morning for him and 11 at night for me. Wow. So this, today is also a day that I've had like five things. I would say that between, you know, like one and five things every day is, oh. is what it's been like. I'd say five is on the higher side, but yeah, average of three-ish things a right. day. Is that comparable to the before times or also do you have a, a fun name for the period before quarantine? I do call it the before times. That is 100% my word for it as well. Um, and I would say... I, in some ways, it seems like I'm doing more than before. Yeah, uh, but like but it. also I can't say some of it's because of the album. Some of it's right. some of it's because like similarly like to the way that I've been in touch with my mom more during these times, partially because of the pandemic, and also partially because of our shared loss of my grandmother. Right. We're like if if I'd lo- if we'd lost our grand our you know our dear Iris. Uh, at a time that wasn't pandemic related, I'd probably still be talking to my mom maybe every day a lot. But now it's for both reasons. It's for global loss and personal loss. And so similarly, if I was putting out this album not during a pandemic, I'd probably be trying to do as many podcasts as I could. But now I now I don't have to go anywhere to do the podcast. So now I'm like, well, I guess maybe I'm doing more than I would uh, under certain circumstances from yeah. the before times. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to just going around the five boroughs, you can do a show in Australia, a show in London, and a show in New York and LA all in the same day. Oh, exactly. I did, yeah, there was a Monday where I did a 3 p.m. show for me that was an 8 p.m. show in London, Stuart Goldsmith's Infinite Sofa, or in, yeah, I think Infinite Sofa, or Infinite Couch. Uh, and then at 8 p.m. I did a show in, you know, uh, America somewhere. And then, yeah, like, but yeah, you can do a show if you want, you know, in in New York, it used to, I feel like somebody broke the record or the the record is like 26 shows in a right. however a 24 hour period or who knows how long. Right. But uh now you can definitely you get you don't have to get from show to show just be like all right, 5 minutes here and good night and 5 minutes on this Instagram feed and good night and uh yeah. depending how long the shows are, you could do yeah. probably uh I mean, who knows, you could do 12 5 minute sets an hour possibly. I'm sure I'm going to get an email uh, in a day or two that someone's going to try to do that to set a world record um, because people are just trying literally anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing that I think Sammy Obeyed was uh, doing, trying to do, I I think, is it him who was doing one, 365 podcasts in a year? Or maybe he was, he had another project that was like that. Somebody I know. Right. Oh, Ronnie Pascal, that's who it was, I think, is uh, this year is his year of doing 365 podcasts. Oh, wow. And I think it got, I, I mean, you know, you picked a good year for it. There's, oh, sure. You could probably finish that by July. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like racking up the podcasts. Um, okay, one last question. Thanks again so much for- Oh, of course. You know, uh, I, this probably, I hope this won't be, have to be a question that continues on and on, but just because of the times that we live in. What do you think comedy is going to be like post-pandemic? Uh, I mean, great question. And I my thinking is that at some point, maybe they'll open up and have it so that if, they, if social distancing is necessary, they'll just have different 
uh, you know, means of getting people in places and having them seated or stand it, standing farther apart than normal. So places will have different capacities or maybe the, the online trend will continue. Like maybe places will be doing some live shows with comedians in the place with a limited audience in the place, but also they'll live stream it, which is something that I almost, I've very in the past, I would be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just have everything that I'm doing be live streamed because that I want to work on albums that, and specials that will be, you know, special and curated and not just everything that I'm working on while I'm working on it, unless that's, you know, like being on the podcast, put your hands together. They're like, this is what a comedy show looks like. People might be doing their TV sets. They might be working on brand new stuff. That's right. what it's about. Right. Uh, and now in this time, a lot of that's kind of just out the window for me. I'm like, oh, well, who knows what anything is. So I, right. I'm using this time a lot, a lot of the sets that I'm doing to just be, be present and create as much new stuff that who knows if it will last. But right. I, I mean, I'm optimistic that comedy will if not go back to how it was, you know, go forward to how it will be in a new way. It's, it's hard to imagine, but I, right. I imagine that live performance will continue to be a oh, thing yeah. on the, the grand arc of history. Yeah, I do too. Um, I guess I, I'd be curious, you know, to the, the point that we made at the top of the episode, like, you know, I feel like you might be someone who at some point during your set, especially of you a longer set, and maybe it's just a segue into a bit, but if you ask the question, how are you, um, to a socially distanced audience just immediately after this pandemic, I mean, are you gonna like allow the room and space for someone to like and genuinely answer that question and have oh, yeah. a dialogue? How you guys doing? Please don't answer real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just, just clap, please. Go back to just answering with a clap. Oh yeah, how you guys doing in clap form? Please clap, clap sad if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the sad just like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that was my impression of a sad clap, everybody. Or I mean, I guess a, a clap for the the what a, what a lamp am I thinking of? The one where you had a clap. You remember? Oh, those? the clapper. Yeah, clap, right. Yeah, of course. That's what they named it. Um, I keep thinking that some clubs are going to try to like, or some venues are going to try to go without a mic. Oh. I mean, with you, but without. I understand. Uh, I know that the Comedy Cellar in the, the days leading up to them no longer doing shows, I think they had each comedian either with a different mic or like a different mic covering so that... Right. Uh, the thing that was nearest everyone's mouth was not the same thing. Yeah. I guess my prediction would be is if comics go along the lines of bringing their own microphone, everyone's going to drop the mic because it's their own personal microphone. It could be. I think you could drop the mic on that. Yeah. Um, you know, mic dropping never sounds like you want it to. It's just uh, so abrupt and kind of sharp and not the thud that you want. But Oh, oh yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, that's this episode of the Comedy Bureau Food Report. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, where can people find you? What else do you want to plug? Obviously, AKA the uh, album from Blonde Medicine by Mike is really, really great. And definitely is, I would say, a, a hopeful comedy album that is, is something that will lift your spirits. Uh, I really appreciate it. I mean, if you look for my name, Mike Kaplan, M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N, uh, wherever you think you might find something, MikeKaplan.com, all the social medias. Uh, you can uh, you can get the album wherever albums are at BlondeMedicine.com slash AKA, or you could pre-order or order on iTunes. You can download it. You can stream it at Apple Music. You can stream it at a non-Apple place. Wherever some people are like, where, where does it help you the most? How do I get you the most? I'm like, well, you can Venmo me directly and get it wherever you want. But uh, I think for the the uh, exposure of everyone getting to see it. If you get it on an Apple thing, download or stream it wherever you pay for streaming. Uh, but yeah, downloading on iTunes, if you don't care otherwise, is one of the best ways to do it. That helps it raise on, rise up on the rankings and then other people will be able to see it and share it and buy it and get it. Uh, but yeah, I, but yeah, my social media is all Mike Kaplan. 
And my, my podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream. One comes out a week for free and one's on my Patreon, which you could also join if basically I feel like the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in this time uh, mm-hmm. is like, I want you to make sure, number one, that your food and medical care and shelter is taken care of. Then number two, make sure that everybody else's food and medical care and shelter is taken care of. And then number three, buy my new album. And number four, uh, uh, spiritual self-actualization. In that order, I recommend... Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for all your kind words and for having me. And uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, getting the album, listening to the album, telling people about the album and uh, whatever else you're doing to take care of yourself. Oh, great. Great. I hope somebody makes an infographic of Mike Kaplan's version of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. <laughs> it means like a very entertaining infographic instead of the terrifying one that people read about. With Oh, I might ask my friend Katie to do it. Katie Barbaro has been yeah. illustrating some of my jokes recently. And uh, I think this would be a good one. Yeah, that would be very good. Uh, definitely we'll share that if that uh, ends up happening. I'm Jay Kroger, um, and I run the Comedy Bureau. Uh, you can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com and at the Comedy Bureau across platforms. Me personally, I'm at not the supermarket on Instagram and at MFJ Kroger on Twitter. The MF does not stand for motherfucking. Um, the Comedy Bureau has a GoFundMe, a Venmo, and a Patreon, because it is definitely not an essential business and something that, as it, like, reported on live comedy, uh, has, you know, had to really change things around uh, and definitely needs support. Um, I want to sign off, as always, by saying comedy is still happening. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it! Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.